This is Tort Talk with Terrence A. Gross, a board-certified personal injury lawyer. Welcome to Tort Talk. This is the podcast where you hear about legal questions and legal answers, thankfully. I'm Paul Stadden, your questions asker. That is Terrence Gross, your questions answerer, the person who knows the law inside and out. And of course, if you want to get a hold of Terrence, well, we'll have all that contact information for you at the end of the show. But today we're going to be talking about, well, I suppose the title of the show. Uh, This is going to be about tort reform. So, Terrence, I think of torts as flaky desserts, and you think of it as something to do with the law, I suppose. Uh, I think the law part is probably way more important and applicable to this particular show. So what is the deal with tort reform? What is it? Can you kind of walk us through it? Well, it's been going on my whole career. I started off in 1979 here in Florida, and of course, insurance companies, you know, understandably, are for-profit institutions, and what they want to do is take in as much premiums as they can and pay out as little as possible. And then if there are adverse jury verdicts uh, in the civil system, whether it be a hurricane claim, whether it be a car wreck or medical malpractice, they want to limit their liability, and their lobby is strong. They have the strongest lobby in the state of Florida, probably in the nation. When you get all state and state farm, they can pull their money together. They have a tremendous influence in the le- legislature. So every time they meet in Tallahassee, for instance, which is March of every year, there they are, and they beat the drum, and they they, they talk about this and that, and they try to convince these legislators to pass laws that restrict a victim's right. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, let's start off with medical malpractice because it's seen the most tort reform. Um, and uh, over a decade ago, they passed a, a law that capped damages uh, for medical malpractice. I think it was 200000 for pain and suffering, regardless of the claim. Well, right after that passed, two cases happened. Let me tell you both. One happened in in Gainesville, and what happened is a guy had a cancerous leg, and they told the guy, uh, sir, I hate to tell you this, but we have to amputate that leg to save your life. you got to make this choice. Do you want to live or or, whatever? He goes, I'm going to live, amputate the leg. So he makes that choice, prepped him, wakes up the next morning, wrong leg. They, oh my gosh! They, yeah, no. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, so now he still they still got to cut off the bad leg. Oh my! So gosh. now you're now you're a double amputee, and to say, oh, t- here's two hundred thousand, have a nice life. That doesn't sound fair to me. Uh, uh, then about the same time, same time, a couple's giving birth to the first child. The joy. I know you're a young father. Yep. So the joy, and you do everything right, the prenatal, and you're doing. You know, your wife's not drinking. She's not smoking cigarettes. You're eating healthy. All these things. Well, the healthy baby's born, and the doctor actually dropped the baby on the head. It slipped, dropped the baby on its head. Uh, it is now brain damaged forever. The child lives, so now you got this baby that you got to raise, brain damaged, 200000 have a nice life. That's the danger of caps. See, the caps hurt the people that are injured the most. It doesn't get rid of frivolous lawsuits because if it's a 200 cap, a frivolous lawsuit's not going to be right. 200,000. So right, right. it has no effect whatsoever on frivolous lawsuits. It unfairly penalizes legitimate people with legitimate claims 
for for horrible injuries due to medical negligence, and it happens. And and I I, I sympathize with doctors. I love what they do, but you know, brain surgeons and well, all the things they do, it, it, it's a lot of stress and strain. But it, it, but the promise they gave these doctors was that they were going to lower their malpractice premium. So after all that passed, I have so many friends who are doctors. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I said, I know that you used to pay a, a big medical malpractice premium. Has it gone down substantially? And they'd smile, not really. So, mm-hmm. so what does that mean? Wait a second. They passed it. They got the cap. But the doctor's premiums aren't really going down. What's going on? It's going to the insurance company's coffers. Ah. Ah, the, the little shell game goes on. Okay. So, so that was an example. The Supreme Court, thank goodness, several years ago, threw out the cap as as because it was arbitrary and capricious. And and so that was an example of, of a tort reform that was negated by our Supreme Court. Thank thank goodness. So uh, that's just an example of it. Workers' comp, we've seen the same thing. So right now, a worker, no matter how negligent your employer is in Florida, I'm only speaking about Florida, folks. So if they're very negligent, um, and I've seen cases, I've seen more than one case like this where people are working in the fast food industry and they got the, like the meat slicers. Maybe you work in Arby's, right? Right. And they intensely take the safeguard off because it was getting jammed and it worked a lot faster. And you know what happens when the safeguards are some dude, some young guy cuts off his finger or whatever. And then they say, well, we'll pay your medical bills and two thirds of your lost wages, nothing for pain and suffering, nothing for mental anguish. This is what you get. But if you interview any uh, contractor in Florida and ask them, what is one of your biggest line item expenses with your work? You know, these people that do concrete work and they do building houses, they'll say, oh, it's workers' comp. So the workers' comp rates are high, but yet, right, even today, there's no pain and suffering. So mm-hmm. you, you, the, the worker, you know, if they give you a defective ladder and, they make, and you're climbing these ladders and they, they're just too cheap to replace the ladders, uh, too bad. You got a bad back with metal plates in your back for life and you're 25 years old, have a nice life. Well, I'm going to go back a couple of shows uh, for my next question. Now, we were talking a few shows ago about uh, sovereign immunity and we were talking about the cap that you get uh, when you are in some sort of accident where you're involved with a sovereign employee, a city employee, uh, whether it's a, a sheriff's deputy or somebody who works for the, the city government or whatever, and they have a cap for $200,000. But you said that a jury might say, oh, who doesn't know about this cap? We're going to award you $400,000. But the cap is $200,000. Not only, so I guess we have a double question here with this. Number one, do you think that that's too low for issues involving uh, the city and there needs to be reform there? But also, what happens? Is there extra money awarded that goes somewhere else? Is it just, nope, sorry, it's just $200,000. How does that work? Well, like I said in the past show, we had a little addendum, if, uh, and maybe somebody didn't hear it, so I'm glad you re-asked the question. But it, there are a few exceptions to that rule where you do something called a claims bill, where you find a legislative representative, and if you get a big verdict, 400000 don't waste your time. Right, right. It ain't going to happen. But maybe if you got $2 million and you got the sad story, whatever, maybe the legislature on a good day will, uh, and they can just on their own say, well, we won't give you two, we'll give you one. But okay. $1 million is better than $200,000. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but it, it's like any other bill. There's going to be debates and 
politics and committees. So it's just like it, it is a it's called a claims bill. Mm-hmm. So that's the end around of sovereign immunity. But what I thought you were going to ask me, which is a, a a question I thought about, if they threw out if the Supreme Court threw out the cap on medical malpractice. Why not sovereign immunity? Yeah, that was actually going to be where I, I was knew gonna you were go. going. There. I was going to go next. I, I knew that. You know, so so because you know you can get into a serious accident if you have and there are the stories about you know <clears throat> drunk people who hit cars full of families on the side of the road. You know, if it just happens to be a city employee who does that or a county or whatever sovereign, uh, you know, and they cause millions of dollars worth of pain, suffering, damage. Why have this labyrinthine process to go through where you have to go through the legislature? Why not make it something that could just be handled in the courts, it's dealt with, and then you could go on with your lives? It's politics, and and a lot of it has to do, and a lot of it also has to do with who's really paying. Ultimately, who's paying, if if it is approved, Mm -hmm. could be the tax dollars. Right. And so people are real fine about warding money until it's out of their own pocket. Right. Right. And, and so that also worries me about suing sovereigns. So you're you're up there suing the school board. Ah. Everybody sends their kids to school if you're young enough, right? And yeah. then and then you start thinking, wait a second, we're suing the school board. Uh, are, are my taxes going up? You know. So and, and so that, it's a little unwieldy uh, in and of itself. They're much more difficult cases, but there's so many different forms of tort reform even though we talked about the losers pay rule right that that's tort reform i mean that was part of the of a tort reform package so any kind of limitation um and some are very subtle laws and some are not so subtle but the, the these limitations uh and usually they're all to the advantage of, a, of insurance companies even punitive damages we're allowed to have them in florida but you got to jump through so many hoops as a lawyer to uh, bring a punitive damage claim. In fact, you can't even file suit for punitive damages outright. You have to file a regular claim, do your depositions, then have a special hearing for the judge, ask mother may I judge, can I amend my complaint to allow me to sue for punitive damages? And the judge will say, yeah, or no. Now, if you got a drunken driver, you're going to get punitive damages every time. So you'll get that. But but uh, t- sometimes there's gross uh, negligence, what they call it, or willful wanton negligence, and then it's just up to the judge, and the judge mm. may gr- let you bring a punitive claim, may not. Mm. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to kind of break all this down. You've terrified me with some stories, but I at least like to hear that there are people in our corner. Uh, so if people want to a get a hold of you and b find out more about these issues, there's, there's info on your website, right? There's info on the website, and and with your help, we're going to start putting out a lot of podcasts, and and so people as they see them going on, you can go to other shows. But we're going to put out a lot of podcasts, and we're going to discuss this. But my website is 64 pages, and we do talk. It's all pretty much Florida stuff, but it's no fault uninsured motorist. Mm-hmm. Uh, medical malpractice, maritime cases. So we we discuss a lot of stuff on our website. But uh, stay tuned to these podcasts. You'll learn a lot. I believe it. I believe it. Now, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, by telephone, 850-434-3333. Best way is the web, com. Now, don't go away. We are going to have a... Well, actually, you can go away for a little bit because it's the end of the episode. But... Make sure you come back next time for another episode because we have a lot more tort talk to bring you. We haven't reformed the show. We're going to keep on giving you information. You guys want that, right? Of course you do. So I look forward to talking to you next time. Terrence, thank you so much. See you next time on Tort Talk, guys. 